Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Vassar. Thank you so much for joining me. We got a little something different this week. Thursday night rolled around, the night we usually record. And uh, I was not feeling well. With my friend Jerry Gordon, who I will record with next week. And I hit him up and said, Jerry, I'm out. I can't do it. So I decided to do a live Q&A podcast on Periscope. I recorded it. And it's posted here. Keep in mind when you're listening that this was done uh, visually. There's no editing. It's a straight through just me talking to a screen. There's a lot of interesting things in the background. (laughs) Video version that uh, should be posted by Glazier later this week. And there was a... (laughs) There was paper towels in the background. I thought it was toilet paper, so I was giving myself a hard time about Uh, You know, don't judge. It's in the middle of football season. We're all just trying to get through the day. Life is crazy. But uh, anyway, I hope you enjoy. I hope you get some out of it. I appreciate the support as always. If you need anything during the year, please don't hesitate to reach out at Coach Vass is my Twitter handle or at MDGA podcast for the show account. Really appreciate you. I hope you guys are having a great season. and Hope that uh, you've learned some things from these podcasts. And if you have any contributions or any comments or anything, feel free to reach out. I'm always up for some uh, positive feedback or not po- not necessarily positive, but constructive feedback right, so we can make this uh, podcast the best it can be. So without further ado, uh, me. Let's get into it, man. Hey, now. Welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Vassar, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Thank you so much for joining me. We're doing the live stream podcast deal. Um, I'm I, I'm going to get the Periscope up, hell or high water. So if you guys have any questions, you can throw them down there. I have our questions that were submitted via the website, www.coachvass.com. You can also, uh, throughout the week, submit questions there. Um uh, so we'll just go ahead and get into it. The first question comes from Michael Kurz, the head coach at Mount Vernon High School. And Mount Vernon does not say the state. And maybe, I don't know, New York. Uh, his question is, we play a team that's predominantly empty that will motion a slot receiver to run jet or zone read, but most of the time keep a three-by-two structure. They will run bubbles and tunnel screens as well and will also run air raid concepts such as verticals, mess, and shallow and also play super fast. We're four-man front but dabble in mint tight. My question is, how many coverage options would you carry into a game? And what blitz options would you use? So I I, I actually played a team last night that did a lot of this stuff. They didn't they hadn't shown it in the first game, but I just had a uh, gut feeling it was going to come. So we um we did quite a bit of it. I like that the my some of my items are in the background. I like the toilet paper in the background. That's sweet. Uh by the way, that's awesome. Um, so I would say you want to keep, a. 
I would keep a base, a drop, a drop seven, a drop eight, a max pressure. We carried about seven or eight checks last night. Um, into the game where we were, we had one out of our three down stuff, but it was mostly out of four down where we played coverage. We played a zone coverage and a man coverage. We're covering with seven. We had the ability to walk everybody up and bring people uh, with certain looks. Uh, we'd, we'd either call the drop or have them read it. And then we had a way to drop everybody out. Um, the, the, the key thing for me is being able to balance the box and have stunts on. So if you're going to play split safety, have some sort of stunt on that clogs up your run game. Uh, so when we played man free, our mic was in the A-gap. When we played split safety, he was a little wider because he had the wall three or short wall number three. So I, I that's what I would carry. A, a zone coverage, a man, uh, a zone coverage, a man coverage, a max zero blitz, a max sort of read blitz, and then something where you bluff it, come out of there. And last night was kind of funny because we would walk everybody up and drop everybody, and they would have the uh, quarterback, quarterback drawn. And uh, basically, it was like we were a step behind every time. So we would have the we would have the the drop on, and they'd run the draw. We'd have the the max splits on, and they'd have the quick game on. It was just I felt like I was behind in, in every every call, and it started to sort itself out after a while. But I felt like I was behind the eight ball last night for a while. Did a great job. Uh, Coach Zank at Salinas High School is an old friend of mine. Did a great job of keeping us off balance. They have an amazing quarterback, Carl Richardson. Remember the name. He's a tough kid. He'll be playing on Saturdays. Um, and, and just fantastic. So that's my answer for that. My next question comes from Terrence Gant, outside linebacker from Santiago High School in Corona. Sorry if, uh, by the way, if I'm like gasping and stuff, I've, I've got terrible allergies. Uh how in-depth is your scout breakdown on huddle? What columns do you use scouting your opponent? How many columns do you use scouting yourself? We could be better self-scouting, I think. Um, we're not. That's not really something that we do a whole lot of. I mean, we, we touch on it. We kind of just say, hey, you know, uh, very surfacy for the self-scout. In terms of the breakdown columns for the opponent, we have... Down distance, yard line, hash, um, offensive formation, offensive play, direction, offensive strength. We have a situations column. So if we're doing down and distance, we want to get rid of red zone, goal line, four minute, two minute, uh, last play in, a, in the game, second to last play in um, in the game or a half. Uh, we have a formation shell category. So if we take, if we're playing a team that gets a pistol three by one, gun strong three by one, gun weak three by one, we have a ability just to have all the three by ones. We have um, we also have an alternative personnel category I've talked about in the past where, you know, if a team is like last night, we saw a team, they were in zero, zero personnel and they were empty and then they were in 10 personnel and getting an empty. And so we have an alternative personnel which for my hit chart, which basically takes uh, the it would be what the personnel would be if everybody was playing in their natural position they lined up in. And so if you line up an empty, our personnel will be the personnel of the game. And then we have the alt personnel, which is the personnel where if they were in their natural position. And that just helps with the hit charts. Because Sometimes it matters and sometimes it doesn't in terms of 
you know, those, you know, whether they're subbing people in or not uh, to do different things. One thing I will say is a tip for you guys. And I, I didn't do this until uh, this year or last year. This is, this is worth the price of admission today for those of you watching. So for those of you guys who are here on a Saturday, instead of watching college football and you're trying to get better and all that stuff, uh, kudos to you. So here, here's something worth the price of admission for me. And I got this from the Bama guys, which is scout the team when you're empty. Don't just scout the formation. See where they're putting the 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 guy. So if they're in 10 personnel, where are they putting that running back? What you'll find a lot of the time is if it, they're an empty and the back is to the weak side, he's to the two receiver side, they're running their three by one plays. If he's to the trips and the empty, so he's the third receiver, they're running their their two by two plays and they're just putting the back strong. So take a look at that. Uh see. Let's see if there's any tendency there. And so have a way to separate. Have a, have a naming mechanism to say, hey, this is what we're going to call it when it's empty with the back to the, to the trips, empty with the back to the two-man at the two man side. Obviously, if there are zero, zero personnel and it's just five receivers, then it's five receivers. But we go really in-depth. We have who catches the ball or who's intended, what their route is, where, where the depth of the route was thrown to. We have a hit category, so it's like field, middle, boundary, left, middle, right. If, if it's in the middle of the field, I mean, we have we have a lot of columns. I have made it a promise to my staff this year that we would do less games and more in-depth information because in the previous uh, years, we've done, you know, eight, nine, ten game breakdowns. And then, you know, you don't you spent so much time worrying about what they're doing. You don't have time to come up with a plan. So I said this year, max four games and. Really, my eyes were open when I talked to uh, Coach Moorhead when I did the podcast with uh, him. And I said, hey, do you when it's the Egg Bowl, do you guys do more games? And he said, no, he says we do four or five max. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. And I think that's really important. Um, next question. Oh, that was Terrence. Gann. I'm sorry. I'm still getting good at this. So the first question was Michael Kerr. He's at coach underscore Kerr like Steve Kerr. At un, or let me start again. At coach underscore Kerr underscore MV for Mount Vernon. The last question was Terrence Gant at Terrence T E R R A N C E underscore Gant G A N T. The next question is Mike Bianco. Uh, he's from Roy C. Ketchum High School in Wap- Wappingers Falls, New York. He's at M Bianco eighty three. When planning practice, how do you put together your team script? Second question, how do you communicate and execute your stomach stemming up front? So with the plan, the practice planning, I think, is an art uh, with scripts. I think you have to look at not only what the team does, but what anticipating what they're going to do. I, t- I talked about this recently. It might have even been last week. Like I remember a couple years ago. Well, this is now it's more than a couple years ago, about seven years ago, we played in a section final against the team. That was an I team and their, and their number one play was, you know, strong side ISO uh, out of the eye. Well, that's because they played a bunch of 50 teams. And when they played even front teams, they went into twins and ran weak ice, weak ISO. Well, if you didn't look at who they were running, what versus you, and you just look at numbers, 
you would have practiced strong ice all week. We were an over team. We, at that time, we were an over team. We ran over in bear. We moved back and forth. You're not going to get strong side ISO. Well, I mean, I guess you can. It's not a great play, in my opinion. Now, I'm probably going to get some eye coaches who are going to get mad at me, but it's just, just being honest. So for that, it's kind of a, it, that's where the art of coaching and experience comes in. What do they do? Mixed in, how do you think they're going to attack? Like, I tell you right now, I, and I've been lucky this year. Last year, I had a lot of quote-unquote gut feelings, and we were awful. <laughs> I, I was awful at guessing. This year, I'm three for three. You know, we played a team two weeks ago that never got empty, and our staff asked me, if you were, if it was you, what would you do? I said, I'd get an empty for my best player quarterback. And so after I said that, I was like, you know what? We need an empty play, and we practiced it even though we hadn't really seen it, and we ended up getting it. And then this week, I had the same feeling because we struggled a little bit. I, I thought because we weren't we weren't ready for it per se, and so we practiced it exponentially more. And part of it is we only had one scout film and one uh, jamboree film, so we had to kind of like invent stuff to work on. We used last year's film, and I said we're going to get empty, and we had a six to eight call empty check with play calls attached. So like if we're bringing, you know, uh, what TCU calls Indian bolts B, we just made a play call and said run it versus empty. So we probably had 12 to 15 calls we could have ran. We practiced it, and sure enough, we got it. So that's kind of where experience comes in. Looking at the hit chart, looking what a team does, and then saying, okay, is that what we're going to get? Do you think they're going to do other stuff? And then what have you struggled with in the past? Like, I'm going to start doing this uh, when the game is fresh in my mind. So tomorrow, the first thing I'm going to do when I wake up after I eat some nails and drink some Red Bull is I'm going to go and I'm going to watch our game from last night like an offensive coordinator and I'm going to write ideas down. That's like, okay, if I was playing us, what would I do? And there's a couple things that we struggled with last night that I guarantee you we're going to get. So we need to fix that stuff. I coached at Sarah high school for five years and it was tough because the fixes were tough because uh, we would play a double wing team and our, the next week we were playing a one back fly team. And so, you know, taking doubles down when they're foot to foot might have been a fix it. But then the next week we're seeing a team with three foot split. So it's like we a lot of times besides the basics, we didn't watch a lot of the last game because in in terms of correcting stuff, it was just so different than what we were going to see that it was just like not even worth doing. And then the second part of that question, how do you communicate and execute your stabbing up front? We make a stem call and whatever we say is what we end up in. You could do it the other way around. So if you want to say stem to something or you can say uh, if you're going from one thing to another. So it used to be easier when we used a numbering system with the fronts where you could say stem 13 or stem 31. You, whatever you could say could be what you start out in. So that's a personal uh, a point. I will give you this point. I don't know if anybody's doing this anymore, but in the old G defense, our mic used to walk up as the seven technique on the tight end. And he usually makes all of our calls. We didn't want him making the stem and move calls because you kind of have to see the ball. And so if you're the mic and you're in a stand-up seven technique over the tight end and you're looking inside at the quarterback, well, that's not what you usually do in that defense. You're usually staring at the tight end. So we didn't want that guy making the stem and move calls because he'd be standing over the tight end and staring back at the ball. And it's like, well, you knew he was going to make the stem and move call. So we gave it to the other linebacker who's walked off the ball. Um, next question comes from Jonathan Rodriguez is a defensive coordinator at Miami Coral Park senior. Yeah. All right. 305 in the house. Uh, his, oh, he's actually, it's his email address. I don't want to get that out. Uh, his, his, he didn't have a Twitter account. 
listed. Okay, his question is defending right formation, buck sweep RPO. Imagine a traditional right formation, but the H is aligned as the slot, bubble by the H, buck sweep to the tight end, outside linebackers the read. Uh play man. Um, whoever's on that slot, even if you're playing zone, you tell them the ball goes away from you. I'm guessing it's, I mean, I, I, if it's RPO, it doesn't say this, but I'm guessing it's a shotgun formation. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of hard to RPO or pistol. It's kind of hard to RPO. Or if it's buck sweep, it's got to be lateral. So it's got to be gun. Um, tell the guy that's to the back to hang out for the RPO for the, for the inside breaking routes. And play the outside breaking routes with your corner and your deep safety. Uh, one thing that you can do is you can put your end. That's your C-gap player. So let's say you're in an overfront. You don't, it doesn't say the defense is outside linebackers the read. I'm not a 50 guy. So giving you a 50 answer would not be great for me. But uh, slant the front to the tight end. And so what? what I, one idea that I would do is I'd put the end two gapping and the B-gap to the side of the back. And I would have the overhang or the backer on that side, play the C-gap. Uh, so he's kind of hanging behind the ball. And then that way your overhang can play the slants. I'm guessing that, or I'm sorry, it says bubble by the H. So, well, I would play, I would have that guy, the overhang, play the play any kind of in-breaking RPOs, and I'd play the bubble with the corner of the deep safety. You could play palms or whatever. Um, hope that answers your question. If not, reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter account is at Coach Vass, at C-O-A-C-H-V-A-S-S, or the show account at M-D-G-A podcast. Um, I usually respond more. I try to keep say, church and state separate, so the show accounts, because I, I don't want pe- people are going to get confused. And they're, I'm trying to manage two accounts, and so I try to do like keep one account for the show and announcements and stuff, and I try not to tweet a lot on there because – I don't want people unfollowing me because I'm retweeting the same stuff, you know, twice. Uh, the next question comes from William Garrow, defensive line at W G A R R O W. That's Willie underscore. Or no, I'm sorry. I was about to read out your email address. <laughs> Willie Garrow. He's from Tumwater High School in Olympia. I think that's uh, is that my man? Uh, I guess he was asking questions last week. I'm trying to learn all these schools. His question is, what have you found to be the best practices our ideas and getting the most efficiency from your office and scout team and practice periods. Our scout team uses primarily third string type kids. Uh, I, okay. So one thing is, and I think my coaches hate me for this. We don't use the same scout card twice. If we're drawing scout cards, we use it once. That's it. My system is we draw the plays and we make a script and huddle. Um, we duplicate the first three plays as plays five, six, and seven. So the ones take one, two, three, four, the twos take five, six, seven. The ones come back on and take eight, nine, 10, 11. Um, what we do is we have a very, I think the organization for the starts with the drawing the cards. Never go back for another card. Like I used to draw 15 cards to go back. You're wasting time. You have infinite time. Well, relatively infinite time off the field than you do on the field. So go ahead, take the time to draw those unique cards, have them in an order, have them color coded. So I just don't write X. The X is in blue, the Z is in red. The tight end is a Y. He is green. The back is black. The fullback is orange. If we're playing with three receivers, he's the slot. He's the S. He's purple. The QB is always the letter black. Uh, and he'll be, if it's gun, put him in a G. If it's pistol, put him in a P. If he's under center, put him in as a Q. Be descriptive. Be descriptive in your cards if you want efficiency. Be as descriptive as possible. Put the hash marks. Put how many yards they are for the numbers. Take the time. 
you know, if you draw something crappy, it's going to be garbage in, garbage out. So, you know, you can't make a third string guy run faster or hit harder or block better, but you can be more organized. So be find the details, be as organized as possible. And then we try to, you know, it's hard because we have relatively, uh, we only have a couple linemen, really five, six, seven linemen this year on the offensive line. So those old linemen, they, you know, they got to run 60 minutes a team a day or 50 minutes a team because they got to go both sides. Uh, I would try to get as many first stringers in as possible. No disrespect to anybody, but if you're seeing a baller wide receiver, make your first team guy. Like last week, we played a team that had a phenomenal receiver and we made our first team guy, our best guy, be him all week. And we said, if you want to win this game, you got to be this guy. Um, But so that's kind of what I... Uh, would uh, say for efficiency also keep it uniform like going back to what i said about the cards the blue x is always the blue he's it's x blue he's the x from the first week of the season to the last week of the season also do as much as you can so for the first couple of weeks we use cards the last couple of weeks we used our offensive terminology so if you're the dc it says you're the d-line coach get your dc on the same page with the oc Learn the offensive language. I know our offensive language so I can tell our head coach who runs our scout team for the offense who's also our offensive coordinator, hey, this is what I want. Be as descriptive as possible so then you don't have to use cards. And then if you have some money, I'm going to give a shout out to my, my, my man Mike Rohill, some free advertising here. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a product out there called Go Route and they have basically scout team cards on a, on a, I don't know exactly how it works, but I, I, my old school uses it. It looks phenomenal, but basically you hit next play and they can look at their, it's like a wristband. It's pricey, but you know, if you have the money to do it, it it's a pretty cool system and you could do something like that. Or if you're just have F you money, you could do what my man, Steven Lowe does a Bosco and you can put the scout cards on the jumbotron <laughs> and use those. If you have that as an option. Uh, thanks for the question, Willie. Uh, the next question is comes from Scott Noivo, N-O-I-V-O. His Twitter account is at Scott N-O-I-V-O 30. He's at John Abbott College in Montreal, Canada. He's a DC and DB's coach. Can you give examples of information questions you ask your assistants in the booth on game day? I talked about this last week. The number one question I get is, what happened? <laughs> what happened? I can't see... Any any coach on the sideline that tells you they could see all of the run plays is, is full of crap. I, I can barely see anything. So my first favorite question to ask is, what happened? Uh, I, I'm a secondary guy by trade. We have two guys at the booth who are phenomenal. One guy is our linebackers coach. One guy is our safeties coach who works a lot with the corners when I go roaming around. Um. You know, I, I'm asking them, number one thing I want to know is personnel, then down a distance. If I'm a little discombobulated or they're going fast, I ask them to recite the balls on a hash or not. Um, you know, I'm just wanting to know what are their run schemes. And if they see any kind of weird tendencies like, hey, they were running the ball a lot on first down and all of a sudden they're throwing on first down, you know, so things like that. But basically just reactive until I can get to the iPad. We have an iPad on the sidelines. I don't know what the rules are in Canada or for college in Canada. We're able and we we're able to watch an iPad. I found out in Texas, they don't allow that, which is just insane to me, but whatever you guys got it. We got to petition that 
get that changed. It's a life changer. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, Scott, that would change if I didn't have the iPad. I can answer a lot of my questions when I get to the sideline. But one of the questions I ask a lot more of now that I'm seeing 21st century offenses is uh, protections. Which way is the center turning? Um, I was able to make an adjustment the second half last night because my assistants were able to tell me which way the center was turning. Um, doing some of that stuff. So, And and by the way, on the last question, go route. Um. My man, Steve Monseth, who's the defensive coordinator at Sarah, uh, just texted me and said, go route, exclamation point. He loves him. So um, our next question is going to be from Adam Harvey. What's up, man? DB's coach at Sibyl. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Also, thank you for the phonetic uh, spellings here because I probably sound like an idiot. So Sibolo Steel High School. Did they get that right? Yeah, Cibolo Steel from Cibolo, Texas. His uh, Twitter handle is at Coach underscore Harvey 18. His question is, how are you lining the trip snub FIB when the ball's on the hash? What coverage do you like most behind it if they are bending three to the hash and uh, three to the field hash and two up the boundary hash with an X under? Um, I don't know if I have a, I mean, I have to think about that. And some of these guys, like, just to be completely honest with you, in season, you, I'm looking at these, this is some of the first, this is the first time I'm looking at some of these questions. So I don't have the time. I mean, I wanted to provide something for you guys in season, hopefully with somebody that's smarter than me. Fortunately, you're stuck with me this week by myself. Um, So a lot of these questions, like that would take me, you know, a while to sit and look at their other plays and do some things like that. So there's nothing that's popping off on my brain. Um, A specific coverage, but I'll tell you this, you're either going to play some sort of high low coverage on the nub to the field. So you're going to play a cloud coverage where the corners down and the safety's back or a sky coverage where the, the corners back and the safety's down, depending on who's your best player. And the structure of your defense. If we were running our defense in 2012, I would say sky safety down cornerback in 2019. I would say probably more cloud because we used to be able to get away with not having our corner playing nub tight ends. That's not the luxury anymore. And plus we have some physical dudes at corner, so I'm not worried about it. Um, I don't know if I have a specific answer for that question, but I will tell you this. Have some sort of concept where you're you don't have any conflict in the field. Like obviously, I don't want to mean any sort of solo concept where, especially if they're under the boundary, even if you're not a cover three guy, so to speak, you don't need the down guy playing the tight end man to man with the with the safety or the cornerback poaching three with three into the boundary. So I would eliminate that as an option. I'm gonna have one of my guys, um, one of the inside linebackers is going to be able to wall three coming back from the boundary. Um, so I would have that and I would have some sort of, I really want to know what that nub tight ends doing, to be honest with you, Adam, I, I don't know if you're watching slash listening or not. If you jump in the comments here on Instagram or Instagram, I'm losing my mind periscope and, and tell me what that nub tight end doing. Cause I think that's a bit, I, I think that would inform the, the, the answer a little bit. But I'm gonna have the the deep guy. I, I'm gonna play him wide because they're not gonna they're not gonna run. I mean, I doubt they're gonna run any kind of three verts in the boundary and suck the tight end back in. 
So I wouldn't necessarily play like your traditional C7 player in Sky where you see gap seven yards. I'd widen that dude out so he could help on the benders because if they're running what you're saying with an X sneak and, you know, bringing three back across, I don't know what the tight end would run out to the flat uh, block. I mean, there's not there's not a lot he can run with that route distribution unless they do some Jedi stuff where they they bring they bring the X and the sneak. They bring two and three back across the field and sneak the tight end back to the boundary. I mean, I don't know why you would do that, but hell, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I would have the guy over the tight end if that's the route you're getting. He would be my guy playing three coming back across. He's looking at that tight end to make sure he's not running that corner route. If he's not running the corner route, then I would check backside. Um, and then I would have I would have one of the backers would wall because if the back is to the field, they could swing the back, run a corner out with the tight end. So you're going to have to have your backer to the tight end or really I would have the backer away from the tight end wall. Anything coming back, I would have my corner play that that third, that outside third and kind of squeeze anything coming back. Um, I would take my next inside DB and have him taking the guy coming back to the opposite hash. And then I would have my nickel looking for throwbacks. And it also, like I said, it depends on where that back is. If the back is to the trips, then the backer closest to the tight end can wall uh, the crosser. If the back is to the tight end, to the field, then it needs to be the backer away from the nub tight end because it's basically a split choice concept. You have you can get three and two. So you need that 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 backer in the, towards the boundary to carry that vertical. And if you don't like that matchup, I mean, if you don't like that matchup, you can always have the corner take one man to man coming back towards the field from the, from the boundary and you can keep him on him or you could switch it to the nickel. So one thing, if that nickels, if your nickel's good, he takes the sneak route, the corner then would melt to number two running down, uh, you know, up the boundary hash and have your middle safety uh, take the bender back towards the field. So that's that would be my uh, answer there. Hopefully that answers your question. Next question is Terrence Gann, outside linebackers. Again, uh, he he asked, do you feel more comfortable calling the game from the sidelines of the box and why? Uh, if you're on the sideline, what do you require from your box? Coaches already went over that. Personnel is number one. If you're in the box, how do you get the call in? I've called two games from the box. I like the box, obviously, for thinking, but I direct so much traffic pre-snap that I it would be impossible for me to call it from the, from the box. Uh, I also felt disconnected. I felt like I was up there and I was making better decisions, but I felt like once I made my call, that was it. Like I was basically, I felt like I was on another, another, I could have been calling the game from home. I just felt so disconnected and, and I, you know, high school, we run so much defense. I have to play traffic cop half the time. So I, I, I would, I, I have to do it from the field. Um, and then what am I asking again, run, what run scheme? I could see most of the pass routes, uh, or if there's a massive bus, especially in the back end on the far side of the field, I tend to watch the boundary side pass plays. And then I'm, I'm asking, you know, what, what run play is that? Um, and some of these questions, guys, uh, I'm going to answer just briefly because like there, this next question comes from Jeff, uh, I, I think I he told me, I think he told me how to say it and I got already, 
from Lapine High School in Lapine, Oregon, at J-B-A-I-S-C-H. He says, talk us through adjusting the 425 to play the wing T. I mean, that could be an entire pod in and of itself. And I think I talked about this last week or two weeks ago. How I would do it is just briefly um, have a way to slant to the motion or slant to the wing to the power side. Whether you have a slot, I don't know the old numbers, the 200 or 800 or whatever, but 100, 900, if you have a, a wing or a slot, have a way to spill if they down block. Because I think one thing that guys in the 4 4 4 2 5 make a mistake is that wing blocks down inside. Because that's the only way they can get your Mike linebacker unless they try to wrap for him with the play side guard. I, I firmly believe if your backside guard can get up to my front side linebacker, we have trouble anyway. <laughs> like we're, we're going to be in in, 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 a hell, in, a, in a lot of trouble. But really, the, if you're playing defense well, the only way to get your Mike linebacker is by taking that wing down inside. So if you're doing that, you better spill that ball and you better let your Mike run over the top or whatever you call that guy, your Sam, whatever. You're 30 back or strong. You got to let him run over the top. That's the biggest thing I would say. And then slant to motion if you can. Uh and then have some way to stem and move and try to because they say, oh, we don't care where you line up because of our rules. Well, then fine. Screw the play up with the um, with the front with your alignments. The unders great versus the wing T. Um, it depends what they're wanting to do. If they're running a lot of buck sweep and trap, I like the under. But we the wing T's that I've seen in my days have been more full flow, full power versions of the wing T. And so for me, I don't like the under as much. I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, what are you talking about? I don't like the under because at the end of the day, they can get two double teams at the point of attack if they really want. <laughs> Excuse me. You get the one of the five. And if they really want to muscle you off the ball, if they're running power series, not bug again, buck, I think the under is great. But if you're seeing full flow power, you're not seeing a lot of trap. You're seeing more tackle trap. I want to get my three and my six because you cannot double both of them. And if you do, then my mic scree. If you're going to double the three with the guard and the tackle, you're going to double the six with the wing and the tight end. Perfect. Now you got nobody for my mic. You're trying to get your backside linebacker over the top. Well, I like my odds. That's just me. So uh, I like an over front if you're in a four, two, five, but have the under in your package as a change up to have different looks and then have an ability to spill and then make sure your waggle fits are good. Have one of your backers wall the crosser and one go get the quarterback. Cause we, we play our ends flat down the line. So we need a secondary contain guy. Okay. Next question. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez is the head coach in DC at Everett Alvarez high school. Salinas. What's up Salinas. I did my student teaching. I used to sub at Alvarez. I did my student teaching in North. And Coach DeHartnell, love Salinas. Anthony, uh, if you listen to this, I want you to tweet me, at Coach Vass. Zank and I, after the game, we're trying to figure out, there's a burrito spot. If you're going from north back towards 101, it's in the parking lot. There's a soccer store and a bank, and it's fantastic. It's family-owned. It's kind of big. Help me out. I couldn't remember it. Uh, anyway, spread pistol team is new wrinkles with RPO out of 2 by 2 and 3 by one sets. How would you handle the RPO with two in the bubble or three by one with a bubble or three, three by one RPO with three running a snag? Uh, that sounds a lot like the team I just saw last night. 
Um, I mean, what we did was as divisional labor. If they got a good quarterback that uh, can spin it, who, who's not afraid to run and can spin it, you really have to, you know, be be on your best behavior. So if we were our plan of attack for that sort of stuff is if we're going to get the overhang involved now in 2019, if we're going to get the overhang involved in the quarterback, then you have to play the bubble with either the corner or the deep safety. And if you're in three by one, you need to get your weak safety in the run fit because your overhang cannot get in the run fit. So basically when we were in three by one, it's easy to see a two by two. But last night when we were in three by one, if the mic was to the, we pushed the mic to the field the weak safety would drop down on the box or play it from deep. And he has to get in the run fit because your overhang can't get involved anymore. They'll throw that snag route. They'll throw that stick route. They'll throw that bubble route fast. You need to be four over three. Because if you're playing some sort of special or stubby or mini or lock or whatever you want to call it. And you're not getting that guy down. Or you're not getting that overhang to the pass. You're three on three and your third guy is 12 yards deep. That ain't it. So have them hang um, and be ready to roll from there. And if it's pistol, read belly your back. So, and 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 I think Coach Gaylor uh, and Kyle Kogan called uh, slinging the fits. Uh, that's too that's too advanced for me. <laughs> uh, I'm country. So if if you get the belly of the quarterback, you hang out, and if you get the back, you can pull the pin and go out of two by two. Out of three by one, it's it's more. It's more uh, predetermined. And, and also, that's if you're chasing the dive. If you're sitting, sit, play the three to the field, sit the end, play games on the weak side, your guy to the field is totally out of the fit, and then if the overhang of the boundary gets the back of the quarterback, he could pull the pin and go. Um, that's how I would do that. But the, the main thing is you strip it all away, if the overhang is involved in the run fit, you have to play the bubble with the safety uh, coming down like Michigan State quarters, like Cody Alexander always talks about. And you try to talk him out of throwing the bubble with the press corner or you play palms. But even with palms, if you get that overhang involved, that scares me, man. You're two, you're two and two. You're, you're two over two if you're triggering that guy. And there's just a lot of space. And then what's worse is the ant goes. You know, you really set yourself up where, you know, that corner's triggered and that safety has to trigger now or else you're one on two and the ant goes are there. So I would play Michigan State style quarters if you want to get the overhang involved. And then if you don't, you could play palms, but tell that guy to hang out and then either sit the end or, I mean, we've done it where we've chased the end and we put the mic on the quarterback. We said, hey, if he opens to you, you're the quarterback player. If the guy doesn't want to run or can't run. Um, Keith, uh, oh God, I'm going to mess his name up again. Keith Coranto, secondary. So this, he's from Arizona Christian University in Glendale, Arizona. That's a freaking sweet area. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Coach Quaranto, Q-U-A-R-A-N-T-O. He asked about custom categories, which I already kind of went over. And then what is more important looking at the coach and the plays they called against you last year, the current year? Again, that's an art. Um, how bad did they beat you? So 
you know, obviously it has to be the same scheme. But we play a team later on on our schedule that they got after us pretty bad last year. And so whether if they run those same plays at all, even if they don't run them a ton, but they're, they're running them, you bet they're going to come back and do it again. So we're going to practice those. And that's kind of just it depends on a lot of factors. If it worked and they still do it, then, yes, I'm looking at it. And then the other part of the question I already answered. Oh, by the way, if you're going to call and you're going to are you going to send joke questions, I'm reading them. So this question comes from your friend of mine, Brandon Lechtenberg, which is linebackers at UIW. His Twitter handle is at coach underscore Leck. His question is, what is your top call versus 10 personnel zone read and RPO? And the quarterback is Michael Vick. The running back is Zeke Elliott. And he's throwing to three power five receivers. Polish defense. Kyle Kogan. Next question. Peter Noonan, DC and DB's coach in Kingsville. I don't know where that is. At Coach N-O-O-N 45. Can you explain the Alabama two-buster concept? Uh, Kyle, I doubt you're listening right now. But if you are, turn please turn this off because I don't want to butcher this and get hate mail. Two-buster, if you strip it all away, is... It's basically the buster side. It's it's almost like a two-man. Again, I am reducing this down. This is at its core. This is not, I mean, this is general, general, general. It is basically two-man if unless two goes out. If two's out right now, it becomes more like a cover two-man match. If two does not go out uh, or three does not go out. So basically, if two goes out now, the corner will jump it. it I, it's my understanding. And again, I this is not a coverage I've done a lot of or any. So I'm, I'm just kind of, and I've kind of glossed over it because it was not something I was really interested in. Uh, but so that's, this answer is from what I know. If two is vertical, the corner is going to man turn on one. And then at about 15, 18, if it was high school, I'd shorten up. He's going to turn back and look for the out of two. We talked about this before uh, on the Asante Samuel clip. I posted on Twitter about a month ago uh, where he looks like two man. Then he snaps his head and eyes around and jumps the out. If three is fast, the backer and the safety or the, the overhang, the star, the nickel will push those two. And it becomes like man. Uh if they're vertical stems. So that's basically the gist of it. I'm going to try to get Kyle on after the new year and uh, talk more in depth about that. I'll tell you what, though. It, it, I don't know if you're just interested in learning it or if you're if one of these deals where like you want to put it in. If you're thinking about putting it in, that is not something I would just go do. It's pretty involved. We did a bastardized version of it, which I don't really want to go into. <laughs> Uh, to be completely honest with you, I do have to, I can't give everything away, especially in the middle of the year. Um, but we've played a bastardized version of it before, and I like it. I think the the turning and and at 10 to 15 yards and man turning and looking at two by still trailing one is really hard in high school. It's sweet if you know the play's coming, but that's hard. We'll get more into it in the offseason. Next question is from Mike Martin, D.C. at Stylacum High School. And I'm messing this up. Stylacum, Washington. 
Oh, Stillicum. Oh, I, oh, he put phonetics. Stillicum. Stillicum, Washington. Sorry, Mike. Opponent next week is a passing game that's almost all quick game. They're bigger and more physical up, up front. Big on big pass pro. I think our skill guys are better than our skill guys. What would you lean towards here? We bounce between even and odd fronts pretty equally. And so far this season, we played 40% cover zero, 40% man free, and 20% cover three match. Okay, so this is not really my jam. Uh, but if you're saying, I mean, how much, this is hard because how much of their passing game, like how much are they calling that passing game? Uh, I mean, for me, quick game, it depends on what they're running, their schemes. I mean, man free and zero is good if they're hitches and, you know, things like that, but like slant arrow and things like that would, would scare me a little bit. It doesn't sound like you play any too high. So, cause my answer would be some sort of a two buster sort of concept where you're playing a man match cover two, where if it's twos out or under five yards, you're going to play a zone concept. If he's vertical or, or in, it's more of a man concept. But I mean, I would say out of all those, I'd play man free I'd bounce between man free and the three match, depending on what type of routes. And it depends if you think they're, you're better than them um, in in the skill game, then play man free and zero and blitz their run game. I mean, that would be my thing. And then if there's any route concepts that you think three match would match up with better, that's where I would go. Uh, I would be, I, 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 again, I don't, I don't insult anybody or anything, but I would have a hard time only being a one high. I mean, I don't even know what to do because <laughs> my answer would be, well, what's your two high safety game? Especially if it's two by two to combat some of those quick, I mean, quick game hitches, slant, slant, arrow, double slant stick, inverted. I call it money and inverted money stick, scat spot. I mean, I'm loving too high versus a lot of that stuff. So that would be my answer. But yeah, sit on the routes, play man free with the rat in the hole. I don't know. I'm, I don't know if that's um, uh, rat in the hole, if that's a five man man free. I'd vary that up between three and three, ma- uh, that man free and three match. And then I'd bring the house every once in a while. Uh, next question is from Gilbert Gonzalez, defensive coordinator at Gadsden, uh, Gadsden and Anthony, New Mexico, his Twitter handle. And by the way, last question, Mike is at MS Martin zero zero two zero eight. Gilbert is at GG Gonzalez 61. Uh, his question is how much time do you spend reviewing the game? You've just played before, before moving on the next opponent. That's a really good question. It depends on how good they were and the similarity in scheme. I kind of touched on this earlier when I was up in the Bay Area, you know, we play a wing T team and then we'd be seeing a, a, a spread team. You know, we would do the basics, tackling, getting off blocks, uh, the techniques, press technique, that sort of thing. But we weren't really we weren't really focusing on it past that, like the schematic deficiencies. You know, I'm not that's not something I'm really interested in. If, if it's something where, you know, I got a. um a whole new scheme to worry about. Uh, I don't look past. I'll tell you this. I won't look past it. Minus maybe my new plan of waking up on Sunday morning and watching our game to see what I would do as the offensive coordinator. But I'm looking at it from a lens of 
what are we going to do next? Or how are people going to tag us not grading? But I try to get rid of that game by Saturday afternoon. If I'm worrying about the last game we just played and it's past 5 p.m. on Saturday, there's something wrong. So I try to flush it as fast as possible. And I think a lot, honestly, a lot of the stuff now, and this may be uh, controversial, controversial is the wrong word, but people might disagree with me is, I mean, we bring our kids in on Saturday. I think it's, I think it's really important that we do that. We call it film and uh, flush and film and food. Uh, but a lot of those problems are getting fixed during the games. If you have a huddle sideline or you have some sort of recording device, it's just like halftime adjustments. I made a couple yesterday, but we usually don't. And I made it because I, I got to stop and like really think about it. But, you know, a lot of those those changes are happening in the middle of the game, series to series. And so like our film today there wasn't a lot of stuff that I talked about in our film session that we hadn't already talked about. We hadn't already talked about during the game and we have that ability with the technology. Now, if we don't have the technology, it'd be a whole different, a whole different deal. But I mean, we grade it, we tag it. My most important thing is getting the tags and especially with our defense where one call could be a number of things to really have something nailed down where we get those calls because I'll forget it. So um, my next question is Mason Hughes, head coach in DC at Central Valley Christian High School in Visalia. What's up, Mason? At his Twitter handle is at Mason underscore Hughes. Okay, this is kind of a longer question. Bear with me, guys. We run a three, four, and play team runs power read out of 20 personnel. The fullback is a wild sniffer type, and they run power read towards him. They run it with jet motion with the slot where the offset back is on the sniffer side, and the motion man is part of the power read. Running out the offset back away from the sniffer. And have the offset back be the sweet portion instead of the slot. My question is, what are some things you do to defend power read? It can be a three down or four down answer. Um, If they're in 20 personnel and they're doing it, it my answers would be different than 10 personnel. Because one of my first answers for power read and 10 personnel is bring the end up field and bring a safety underneath. And uh, go tackle the quarterback. The problem with that extra was... To me, you defend power read and power read lead or power read with a lead either with the back blocking and the in the sniffer or the sniffer blocking. If you do that, they can pick you off. Uh, I think the first thing you need to do is what's what's worse, the quarterback portion or the the um, the sweet portion? I would say just without knowing anything. I would have a way to play those edges because we talk about to the kids all the time. Ugly football plays happen outside and deep. That's from my mentor, Keith Burns. He used to drill it to my head. And I in turn drill it into the kids' heads. So I would, especially with the jet sweep, I'm thinking defend that sweep first. Now, I, I kind of would need to see the other plays to come off of that because I don't want to unwind the defense to the point where you know, you're stopping power read, but great. You just gave up a, you know, counter or whatever. Um, but if they're jet motion, my overhang's got to play the sweep. And I would look at it as triple option. You know, I would look at it as, you know, having phases for that. For that. And I'd have different ways. I'd, I'd bring a, a guy off the edge and slant the front. 
away from the play and then let the backers fit over the top for the power. So basically pick off all the linemen with the slant, let the backers play over the top. I would have a way to blitz off the backside edge and slant to the play to make it cut back with presence on the sweep. Because I think that can be helpful if you have an overhang play in the sweep part. You slant the front to the power, and that quarterback pulls the ball, and now he has a guy coming off his backside. Because if they're doing all that, I mean, if they're if they're using the slot as a sweep guy, I mean, you could even trigger it. You could even say, okay, we're going to play this call, but as soon as they jet motion, the overhang away is going to widen out. We're going to slant. We're going to make a call to slant the front to the sniffer, and then the guy that was on the slot's going to blitz. I mean, they only got two vertical threats at this point. Make the thing cut back. I mean, when when all things considered, unless they got Tebow over there, if it's power read and they're not, they don't have Tebow, I want the quarterback. I want the ball in the quarterback's hands. Now, if they're a power team, and, and again, that depends on what do they do. What are they more deadly at? Like, if they're a fly sweep team that sprinkles in some power to try to mess with you, then I'm stopping the sweep. If they're a power team that you know uses uh, the sweep to kind of mess with your eyes, then I'm defending power first. And then how fast are you versus how fast are they? But those are some of my generic answers. I mean, if you're seeing just the 20 personnel part of it without the, the well, 20 personnel, but the, the the two by one formation where they're not motioning, I, I might be, I might still try to bring the end up field and the safety underneath. The only problem with that is that, that owl, that sniffer can pick off that guy where if it's 10 personnel, I think it's a little harder. So I, I would be a little less likely to do that. But um, those would be some of my quick answers. The next question comes from Brett Hughes, D-line and O-line coach at Lexington High School in Lexington, Missouri. Oh, is that, uh, is that the fighting Kyle Kogans? Um, his Twitter account is coach or at coach underscore B underscore Higgins, H-I-G-G-I-N-S. This question is, when you get in the midseason grind, what does a drill you like to do to bring excitement and energy back into practice? That's a good question. I've talked about this drill before. We should just call it competition. Get three uh, pop-ups, one on the five, one on the 10, one on the 15 on either side of the numbers. Have the line or have the line be the goal line. You get three or four kids up. I, oh, it has to be four. They have them get their feet going, and they do up-down seat rolls, and then they got to go. Three bags, four tacklers. The loser has to do five up downs. It's just a competition period. I mean, except for form tackling the pop up, there's really not a lot of practical application of football. But if you need to get guys going, that's a good one to do. Um, I, two minute offense is always a good one. Two minute offense is always a real good uh, drill to get guys going. Um, any sort of competition. I think if you, you could take any drill and you could do, have a competitive and the winner gets something or the loser has to do something. I think that you could incorporate that with anything. I think two minute would be good. That sort of thing. That's actually an interesting question. Might be something because we're a week away from our bye week. So I need to start thinking about this. So, um, we used to have a, a timed, pursuit drill but that does that wouldn't really bring excitement back in i think that i think that the first two ideas were the best ones so i'd go with that my last question is from nima salimi 
from Westminster High School in Atlanta, Georgia. His question is, how should we use our off weeks? We're in Georgia where most teams play week zero, so we have two weeks off during the season. Ours are sandwiched with our first region game in between. Uh, I'm going to skip some of these details. Um, I would, you know, he, he says he's generally a four down, one high team with three down package. Most of the two deep play both ways, including two, four, uh, four way starters. I would say and he's saying he's plays his two toughest opponents immediately after the second off week. Ah, that's tough. So I will tell you what we do. So this year, our bye week is so we have a game this coming week and then we have a bye week. And then we play a double wing slash single wing slash I wing team a la Tim Murphy style. And we play a spread three to four foot split, 10 personnel pistol team. Both teams spacing presents unique challenges. And so, yes, the scheme's important, but just getting the spacing down to understand how the how the, the splits change and how it changed how you force the ball. So for us, it's really easy because we got to work on our next two opponents during that spy week. And then if there's something down the road that I think, like I'm going to try and look at our, and we're lucky because we trade all of our games. I'm going to, during next weekend, I'm going to kind of watch a couple games of each team that we play. And if there's anything unique or, or, or different that we need to prepare for, I'll sneak that stuff in. So that's what I would do. I would, I mean, if you're going to see a really good team and they run zone read and your offense runs zone read, okay, well, whatever, do that. Um, But I, I don't think you need that if you've been seeing that all year. I also will say, get with your OC, get work on looks that each of you will see down the road and we're in good on good. That's a good way to do it. Um, our offense runs a lot of sniffer stuff. Um, they also run some 12 personnel tight and wing stuff. Well, we see a team in week eight that does that stuff. So we'll say, Hey, we'll probably do a couple periods. We're like, Hey, can you run that stuff versus us? You know, but try to pick and choose stuff that your offense does and stuff you will see, but get good on good. Because, you know, my mentor, Keith Burns, mentioned him again. But he used to say it's not the route that's beating you. It's the guy running the route. And that's so true. Like, going back to a question earlier, your third string guys running a fade ain't helping you. It's actually probably hurting you because your guys are slowing down. And then when they got to get in the game and play somebody who can really run, there's a problem. So... Uh, I would do that. I'd sit down with your OC. I'd take a look at your the future of your schedule. And I would have this two, I'd have a two-part question. But my first question would be actually do it the other way around from what I explained. I'd sit down with your offensive coordinator. I'd, first of all, I'd write down all the stuff that you have to work on for the end of your season or any potential playoff opponents. And then ask your offensive coordinator, okay, what of this stuff do you do? And if you don't already know what you should, but you know, there might be something down the package you're thinking about doing or whatever. And then have them ask you the same question. I mean, if you're, uh, and you can kill two birds, one stone. If you're a four down team, you've obviously practiced that a lot. You have a three down package and your OC says, Hey, we're going to see a lot of three down stuff. Well then use that time to work your three down stuff. And then when you're broken apart and you're doing your self scout where it's like endo group periods, then work on the stuff that your offense doesn't do. Um, for self scout. So for example, you know, our offense is a 10, 11, 12 personal offense. I'm not going to ask our offense to simulate the single wing or the double wing or whatever. We're going to do that self scout. We might have a scout period, but 
I'm going to have them simulate the stuff that we do um, and then really work on that stuff. I mean, we saw a team that went empty four by one versus us last year. And the one receiver was a nub tight end. Well, you bet we're going to work that, you know what I mean? So really go through and I have a running, I have a running list in my iPhone of issues. I call them issues and anything that's weird. Like, uh, we played uh, a team last night, ran three by one of the boundary first play of the game. And our kids were like, Oh my God, what the hell's happening? Well, that went in the list and the next team we play runs the same thing. So we're going to work that, you know, so I kind of have an issues for next year and for next campus to work some things that are a little exotic, a little different and have that running list, but kind of use your time to, I would use the weekend before the buy to really watch your other teams. And you only need to watch two games and you don't need to break them down. Just get a notepad out, watch the games, watch two games per opponent. If you have that ability, write down anything that's exotic or weird or funky that you think you need to work on or something just different. You know, if you're a spread offense and you're seeing a 21 personnel team and they're not running anything weird or funky, but they're running ISO and power, well, then you need to write that down. So I would, and I'd kind of group it together. Uh, we're going to practice three, uh, three days during our bye, I think three or four days. So one day is going to be one of the teams we're going to play after the bye. One team, we might even do the, the next three teams. Like um, practice one will be game six, practice two will be game seven, and practice three will be. Any weird stuff from 8, 9, 10, opponents 8, 9, 10 that we see. So, I mean, you could do that. Um, or, I mean, if you feel that you're better than the teams after the team you're really talking about, you said it's really good, you could put all your eggs in one basket. I would be careful on that, but you could also do that. Or I would honestly reverse engineer it. So I, I'm kind of thinking this out loud. So for the example I gave you, because when we come back, we play five, have a bye, play five. So Monday or Tuesday, let's say if we're going to do a three-day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice, I might go in reverse order. So Tuesday is opponents 8, 9, and 10, anything funky we see. Wednesday will be opponent 7. And then Thursday will be opponent 6, so it'll be fresh in our mind. And there will also be some individual, like we run some special stuff versus wing teams. We're going to be doing that. We might not talk about the whole game plan, but we'll teach the techniques in individual. So this is more of, I'm talking the group periods, the team periods, but, you know, if you're seeing a team that throws a lot of screens, you can work on screens in your endo period. You don't need to be like, you don't need to put in your whole game plan just to work on little pieces. I know I'm kind of jumping all around, but this is a really interesting question. And I'm really kind of thinking about it out loud and kind of really processing through it because we're going to see that soon. It's like we've got our, um, coming up, we have our bye week on our doorstep. So... Before I let you go, so that's the end in terms of questions I had prepared from the uh, form on the website, which, by the way, in the future, if you want a question asked, www.coachfast.com forward slash podcast. There'll be a link towards the top of uh, a place where you can ask your questions. But if, if anybody's in the in the chat right now, if anybody's still watching, we got a few people hanging around, some grinders. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to throw them up in there, and I will uh, answer them real quick. Um, I have a few minutes left. I don't see any questions so far. Although this keeps shutting down on me. Does anybody here have any questions? 
I'll kind of hang out for a few minutes and wait to see if I get anything. Feel free to fire away. I appreciate you guys joining me. Um, I know this is a funky time in the middle of a Saturday. Y'all are watching film or some of y'all are probably playing. But like I said, I uh, I had some some stuff going on this week and I just, I was dead. I, I was real, real dead. Why don't I switch Barry? I'm going to skip that one because we play a team that does that in a couple of weeks. So I, I, I'm usually pretty open about stuff, but I don't, I don't really want to go down that road <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, Cause I don't want to give anything away to be, to be completely frank. But uh, for those of you guys who are, who know me and are close to me, um, uh, she'd probably kill me if she found out I said this. Uh, my mom was diagnosed with cancer a couple weeks ago. And uh, everybody, every week has been, it's like, seems to be Thursday is the magical day. Uh, every Thursday has been uh, some sort of reveal. And so it's been tough. You know, I live in Fresno, California. My mother lives in Orlando, Florida. Not a ton of people that that uh, live around the area that can help out. And so it's just really been taking a toll on me. And I've told some of you guys about this. But uh, I just I came home the other. Uh, uh, the other night and I was just I was done. I, I, I just I, I tried to open the questions and I just stared at it. I, I didn't feel good to begin with. I've been getting over a cold, but um, I've been kind of vague tweeting about it, which I hate. I hate doing that. And I vague, vague booking, as I call it. But um, I do believe in sort of the, the power of prayer and just the power of positive thinking. And I don't think moms really listens to my <laughs> periscopes and live Q&A's. Hopefully I don't get any angry uh, texts from her saying I told everybody. But if you've made it to the end of this and you're still listening, uh, if you wouldn't mind keeping our family in your thoughts, your prayers, if your prayers aren't your sort of thing, positive vibes, I'll take whatever at this point. It's been a really rough last month. And between that and doing the podcast and my job and trying to keep everything together, it's I feel like I've been keeping it together with duct tape. I mean, there's a damn... There's a goddamn roll of toilet paper sitting in the back behind me um, that I didn't even pick up. I've just kind of been out of it. So uh, maybe that maybe that puts some things in perspective and some of my vague tweets and things. Um, I feel bad because I asked for questions and then Barry asked one. I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to talk about it. And I, you guys, you know me. I've. I am very transparent. I'll talk about anything, but during the season, it's a little weird for me to be like, okay, this is what I think about wide splits. And we literally, one of the teams we talked about game seven is a team that runs wide splits and we're in week five. So, uh, game five, I guess it would be technically game eight because there's the bye week but we play them three weeks from this past Thursday. I think, I don't know. I've been taking it day by day, week by week. I've been living through the AA, um, handbook of you know taking it one day at a time uh these past couple weeks um guys if you want to tweet me during the year i'm sometimes i'm slow to respond because like you i'm i've been um 
uh, going through my season and I kind of told you about some of the stuff I've been dealing with. I'm usually a pretty good um, about responding in time and, and things. I mean, I kind of part of the deal is, you know, when you when you start a podcast called Make Defense Great Again, which is a little presumptuous, like I'm going to make defense great again, <laughs> um, which I'm not. Uh, it's all of you. Uh, I do open myself up. Obviously, people send me questions. People want to watch film, but just I'm going to do my best I can to respond. Just keep in mind that, like, I'm not a consultant in the season. I am not a I'm not a guy just on Twitter. Like, I'm coaching my own team. I've got my own job. Um, I'm blowing off steam. So if I, you know, I got some questions this week during the week and I, I feel bad cause I always want to be there for people and accessible, but I got to the, I was just like in the middle of scripting practice and I'm like, hit me up on Saturday. I'll do my best. Just be patient with me. I want to be there for you. And I know like I, I rely on guys, um, to talk to in season. Uh, so I know what it's like, but just if you do ask me a question, I just and everybody's been super cool. But just just if you mind mind being patient, and I might take a little bit of time to get back to you. Um, I'll do my absolute best, but it is difficult because I'm just like you. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm I'm trying to win games and you know balance my life and deal with some of the personal stuff I've talked about. Um, but uh, anyway, I'll leave this open for another minute. And I'll just kind of hang here and if there's any other questions pop them in the comments i got it up so the downside is i can see the i can see the background the toilet paper is just haunting me if this goes up on glacier's website they gotta cut they we gotta get some of the technology to get that cut out because that's hilarious or actually those are paper towels those are paper towels okay i feel i feel better now those are actually paper towels i thought that was toilet paper and I was super embarrassed. Um, anybody else have any questions? Okay, it looks like uh, we, we've only got a few people here. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for the support, as always. Um, you guys are awesome. It's really been a great... Uh, thanks, Ryan, for all the hearts. <laughs> uh, it's it's um, it's really been a, uh, a, a great time this offseason and getting the season. Actually, funny enough, I, I've actually kind of got bummed out the other day. I was I was feeling a little blue and I mean with all the stuff going on it's pretty uh pretty natural but um <laughs> I was I was feeling a little blue and I was like you know what and see uh, why my feelings kind of down and blue and I I I shit you not this this actually happened I was sitting there and I was going like I I felt like I was missing something and it was actually it was you guys like I forgot how much of my you know, usually in my day and week and stuff, I spent conversing on Twitter with uh, other coaches and, you know, everybody's doing their own thing and doing their own uh, coaching their own teams. And I was like, God, I miss, I miss the, I miss the camaraderie and the, the brotherhood on there. And part of me was like, I can't wait for the season to be, I know it sounds bad, but 
Mr. Gonzalez, I just answered your question earlier. So you have to go back and check it out. I see that you just joined. But I was like, I, I kind of miss the off season because I, I miss talking to you guys and I miss BSing with, with my dudes. And so um, I love coaching. Uh, I love working with my kids. But if there is one silver lining for waiting for me at the end of the year is uh, we're going to get back to, you know, Hanging out during the off season. So anyway, it looks like there's no more questions. I'm going to let you go. Uh, check out the TCU game at 430. I'm interested to see. And oh, by the way, I don't know if he's still here or not. Go check out Barry Hoover's article he wrote today. Uh, I, I think it came out today about the matchup. It's uh, um, I, I got to listen to or listen, watch a little bit of it on my way to uh, or before I went to school this morning. I'm going to go check it out and read it before we finish the uh, or before the game starts i'm all laid up i'm sorry i don't know whether i'm coming or going but check it out it's on i retweeted this morning on the i think on the podcast i don't know it's one of my accounts at coach vass or at mdga podcast you can check it out really good article barry's a good dude good writer has a really good understanding and grasp of the defense um anyway i'm out my sound like crap i'm itching my nose like crazy i got toy not toilet paper paper towels behind me I'm all ate up. I got to go grade some film and then go watch the man, the myth, the legend, Gary Patterson, get her done. Love you guys. And uh, keep, uh, like I said, keep us in your thoughts and prayers. And, uh, and as always, remember the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.